Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the TWS podcast. It's lights out and away we go. I got free sausages sent to me every week for a year. Brilliant. <laughs> no, I never really got to, I never really got to a place where I could call Michael a friend of mine, really. Don't worry, guys, I'm back. Panic's over. I'm here. And it was Wayne Rooney who walked through the doors. And I remember him saying, just make the most of every moment. Hello, my name is Simon Lazeby and I'm a presenter on Sky Sports. You may have seen me present sports such as the F1, international rugby, England cricket and golf from around the world. However, I wanted to come and give you some information about the TWS Sports Podcast. The TWS Sports Podcast is the only podcast in the UK which is hosted by autistic students who interview some of the biggest names in sport. Each week, they speak to a different sports person and delve deep into their lives talking about the highs and the lows of their career and what makes them a top athlete in their sport. The TWS Sports Podcast were voted the best sports podcast in the world that promotes social equality. They picked up that honour at the 2021 Sports Podcast Awards. So if you're a sports fan and want to hear these great stories with questions from some amazing young people who promote autism, then the TWS Sports Podcast is the podcast for you. Tetlerwood School is a school for autistic children and young adults and we have set the, uh, this podcast up to provide our pupils with a fantastic opportunity to develop a range of skills whilst interviewing top sports men and women from a variety of different sports. Joining us today on the Two Duo Sports Podcast is a professional footballer. He's plays, he plays for Shrewsbury Town. Welcome to the podcast, Daniel I'm sorry about your last name. Don't I'm worry. horrible at names like this. A few people struggle, don't worry. Daniel Uda. Uda. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. Yeah, thanks for being our first po- first interview of the season. Nice. <laughs> did you miss us all? <laughs> I hope you did. <laughs> Before we start, we just wanted to say that if throughout the po- this podcast you have any questions for us about anything about our podcast or you have a question about autism, then please ask. We'd like to a- answer your questions too. As I've said before, this is a conversation, not an interrogation. Nice. <laughs> Makes me feel good then. Mm-hmm. Not as nervous then. We'd like to start our, start our podcasts with random questions before we start talking about your career. You ready? Hit me. Not literally. No. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the most famous person in your phone book? Oof. Uh, JP, the kit man from Shrewsbury. He's got <laughs> a lot of contacts everywhere, so okay. I'll give him that. Okay. If you could trade lives with anyone for a day, who would it be and why? If I could trade... It's not many people. I'm really happy with my life. <laughs> but if I could, I'd love to... Like LeBron James or someone like that, the American, see how hard they work and how hard it is to be at the top and enjoy a different sport. Okay. If you could have any superpower, what would it, what would you have and why? Um, I like being at like places really quick. Ah. (laughs) So yeah, I'd say teleport or fly or something like that so I can get to places really <laughs> quick so I'm never because I'm nearly almost late nearly all the time so I can yeah. get somewhere really quick <laughs> plus, it, plus it would help you you run, you you just disappear if your parents whenever, aren't exactly, angry at whenever you whenever I get in trouble anywhere I can just, you just go, Bye! get away quick see you later mum <laughs> thank you for ask for answering those questions let's, let's chat about your career we want to take you back to the beginning and talk about your childhood. You were born in Nigeria. Nigeria. What are your memories of growing up there? Um, born in Nigeria was obviously for me. Didn't know anything better. Was really fun and brought up with my brothers and sisters. So I've got um, three brothers and two sisters. I always forget. That's <laughs> one big that family. Meant, exactly. Is I have a that... fairly large family too. My poor dad. All he's had is girl kids. Oh, no. <laughs> he's a lucky man there. He's got girls to take care of him. Um, yeah, so I grew up in a, like, a big family, but then we always had like family around with us as well. And it was basically a house, a two-bedroom house with about ten people living in it. So oh, my God. We all used to sleep in, like, my brothers, me and my older brothers and two younger ones. Would sleep, mm. Well, before the youngest one come. 
would sleep in the bed together with the boys and the girls had their own room with my mum, basically. Have you ever nearly stepped on one of your siblings? 100% when you needed to go for, a, like, a loo Tell me at night time and you woke up and your brother is really close to you and you have to leap into the toilet, but, yeah. Yeah, I... I my sister Cassie, we sleep in the same room. Yeah. She sleeps on a mattress on the floor. Yeah. That was exactly like Literally us. next to my bed. Exactly. Guess like what us. happens? Her feet on. get on get it yeah. by accident. All the time. <laughs> and I get scolded by Cassie for it. Gives me memories that. <laughs> okay. What was school like in Nigeria? I imagine it was very different to England. Oh, hundred percent. Some of the boys at football always laugh at me for this because I remember when I was younger. If you were really naughty, the teacher would bring you out to the front and the, like the old school canes, like the older generation in England will remember this. The old school canes they used to get a whack. few hands out, whack, 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 if you were naughty. And I was one of the naughty ones that got a few sometimes. Ouch. So, yeah. These days um, we just get scolding. Exactly. And then when I came to England and the worst thing that happened was a detention, I was buzzing. <laughs> You're going, going. Hey, at least my hands don't have to worry about going running anymore. Exactly. At least Unless it's sunburn. Unless at least it's better than being punched. Yeah, no one wants to be punched. No, no one. <laughs> okay, you moved to England at the age of nine. Mm-hmm. Do you remember why your family moved to England, and what were your memories of that time? Um, yeah, so our family moved to England just for a better opportunity. So my dad wanted to give me my and my siblings a better opportunity of life and um, at the time he was already in England and he thought it was a perfect time to bring the family (coughs) over and I was luckily the first one to come over and um, (coughs) then my brothers and sisters joined us bit by bit because it was quite hard to get over. Move a massive family of ten. At once so um, yeah it was really good I remember it like Yesterday, really. Yeah. I'm quite good with my memory. Yeah. I wish I was like that. My memory's kind of like a goldfish. <laughs> okay, did you settle into England as, okay as a child? Um, I, I thought so, yeah. It was obviously, the weather was a bit different. I came, I think I came in around December, so it was really cold. Imagine going from, I don't know, 25 to 30 degrees every day to... <coughs> Whatever it's like in December in England. Yeah. We don't don't have weather. We have uncontrollable chaos. Exactly. It was sunny three days ago and now it's raining all the time. So, yeah, um, it was like that. But then with school-wise, I'd say, yeah, because in Nigeria we spoke English, so it wasn't too bad in school. And, like, the school curriculum and stuff in Nigeria to England was similar, I'd say. As a teenager, you joined Luton? Yeah, Luton. Luton Town Town, and then played as a lot of grassroots football. Yeah. Grassroots? Never heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like to join Luton's development setup? Um, it was good, because obviously at first I was playing Sunday League and just having fun <coughs> with my mates. And uh, that's where I got um, found by Luton, and it was just for me to get more training sessions in and it was really enjoyable because you got to go to other teams. Like, I remember playing against Norwich and going to... like That was the first time I went to, a, like, a camp, a training camp with the other boys and just got to play football, go away from home. And I remember... Funny, the camp I remember, that was the first time I was away from home, my mum and dad, and I was in bed crying and I was, like, 13 or so. So it was funny, but... Because I just missed home. That was why I was crying. Mm. Yeah, I personally get a bit... Mm, if I have to stay away from home for, yeah. more, for a full day and night, I yeah. get all nervous. That was me, literally. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't cry. I just got that horrible butterfly feeling yeah. you get. You're not comfortable because you're not in the same environment mm-hmm. that you're always in. That was me. My siblings drive me up the wall, but I love them. <laughs> okay. As a teenager, you played for a lot of different clubs. I think we counted 13 in oh. clubs in four years. Yeah. How did you find that period in your career? And why do you think you moved about so much? Um, I, I think I moved about so much because I was still learning a lot about football. Um, 
one, I was learning a lot about football and I just needed to um, get be given an opportunity. But then at the same time, when I did get the opportunity, I don't think I took the opportunity well enough. So then I'd almost blame other people sometimes and that's mm. why I had to keep going to the next one, to the next one, until I found my feet in somewhere where I was just enjoying football yeah. again. Did moving from club to club help you to develop as a player? Um, 100% because it let me see so many different characters in football, mm-hmm. so many like different managers, different styles, different players, players that are going to shout at you, players that are going to put their arms around you. and um, Players that might cut holes in your socks. And do tricks and stuff like that on you. There was loads, don't worry. I, I, too many stories to tell. Don't think it's... <laughs> some of them are good enough. But um, just little the tricks and stuff the players do and the banter that we have. And it, like, it built a mentality in me because I wanted to do so much to become a professional footballer. So, like waking up early at three o'clock in the morning to make the train to get to Kidminster to go and play football. Just things like that that I always remember when I'm going through a tough time. In 2016, you signed your first professional contract with... Crew? Crew, Crew Alexander. Crew. What What are your memories of signing that first contract and becoming a professional footballer? Um... So obviously, like you've seen from my career, I've gone everywhere, and then yeah, I find there. myself find myself at a club at Ilkeston that was really good with young lads, and we were training every day, and it was the first time I got to play loads of men's football, um, and I remember the call from my agent at the time saying, "Like, crew are really interested in you," and I looked straight away, crew were in League One, and I was like, "Whoa, this is a big leap, sort of thing," and. He was like, yeah, we can get it done by the weekend. And I was just like, think of everything you've worked hard for coming to fruition and mm-hmm. bearing fruit. And yeah. that was obviously, I was over the moon. Mm-hmm. At first, it's like trying to put a jigsaw piece puzzle together with only half the pieces. Exactly. And then once you get it together, mm-hmm. you're delighted. Yeah. <laughs> you then had a number of loan spells before settling in Telford. Yeah. What? Was this season that really kick-started your career because you had a great time in Telford, scoring lots of goals? Yeah, again, like when I went on loan to all the other clubs, it built like a character in me as well, and I started learning more about myself, learning more about men's football, like I did in the past, but this time a bit different, and learning from doing well at Hells Owen and then being disappointed that like a team called. Um, a team called Chester, being disappointed at Chester and then um, going to Telford after being uh, disappointed at Crew, not getting another contract. Um, I went to Telford and the manager at the time, Gav Cowens, just took me well and played to my strengths and made me feel really good about myself and enjoying my football again and that kick-started everything for me. And after that, I just wanted to just enjoy and be closer to family. Religion is a big part of your life. Mm-hmm. When did your... When did... What's that? Is it supposed to be there for you? When did religion... When did religion come into your life and how is it a positive impact on you? Um, religion's always been in my life, so I was brought up in a religious family and that's all we've ever known. But um, it was more when I was younger... A chore, I'd say. <laughs> oh dear. Mum and dad would force you to church and you'd be like, oh, we have to go to church on a Sunday. And then I remember when I was playing Sunday league and I didn't have to go to church, my mum stopped me for a while because I was missing church that much and she always just wanted us to um, be brought up with good Christian values and how my Christianity and my religion um, impacts my life. is It makes me a better person and makes me want to do good mm. for people and... <laughs> make sure I leave a good impact on people in the world that we live in. Okay, that, that, that's some very nice goals you have there. How has religion helped you as a footballer? Um, religion has helped me as a footballer because football is so up and down. But um, in religion, we believe that like, 
you have a f- um, center focus, and our center focus is Jesus, and we believe He's overcome so many different trials and so many different things. So then we keep our faith in Him that throughout the storms and throughout the trials of life and the ups and downs of football, if we just keep focused and keep level-headed, as people say, don't get too high, don't get too low, keep level-headed, you'll be all right. And that's what I try to do all the time. We would like to play a picture game with you. We have found some photos of you and we will show you, We and we will show them to you. Nice. And I want you to tell us about the photo and what it means to you. Here's the first one. Uh, nice, the Virgil van Dijk shirt from the <laughs> Liverpool game. I can't remember what year was this, 21? I think 21, January. And, and yeah, just a good... Well, we lost the game, but it was a good day for me personally. It was a good day out for the club. And obviously we got to celebrate for five minutes and we thought <laughs> for five minutes we were going to beat Liverpool and, until they turned up and showed us why they were Premier League players and we were League One. Yeah. This is a nice <laughs> one. Um, these, uh, this was a birthday. A girl I went to school with one of her birthday parties and just me and all my mates together. I don't know where have you found this on Facebook or somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, don't. Yeah, yeah. We might. We might have also got in touch with your mom. We didn't really, but you know, we could have. My mom wouldn't have this. She's not. She's not good with her phone. How about this one? Would she have this one? Uh, Yeah, she might have this one. This was a cup final in year six. I remember we beat a team called a school called Ravenscroft School. We won on penalties. I scored one of the pens. So happy days. I remember that well. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> Little trip by that memory lane. Yeah. So, we got in touch with your former... Well, number Tel- 13, Melissa. Okay, number, number 13. Yeah. After a great time at Telford, you joined Shrewsbury. Yeah. Do you remember how that move came about and what was it like, like to get back into professional football? Um... Obviously, like I said, with the first time I signed my professional contract, you're just over the moon. But then this time I just thought to myself, I've got another opportunity to be a professional footballer again after having a good spell with Telford. And I'm going to make sure I do everything to push on this time and keep make a name for myself in the game and stay at the level and get better. And I'll never forget the day because my agent told me I was coming to sign. But at the time... I'd finished the season with Telford and I got myself a job at Fish and Chip, um, doing Fish and Chip delivery. And the day I signed my contract, came to meet uh, Brian, the chairman, and my agent signed my contract and then went back to my job because I had a holiday to pay for. (laughs) So, we got in touch with your former Telford manager, Gavin. Cowan. Cowan. And... And we asked him about you. Nice. Hope it was good. <laughs> it was, don't worry. He said that you were an amazing human being, very respective to information, and, and had a lot of, res- lot of respect. Mm. Gavin said that he couldn't love you anymore if you tried. Nice. I love him too. Yeah, we still keep in contact quite a bit. Um, he's gone from a manager to a mentor, really. Call him whenever I need any advice with football, any advice with um, life. And like I said, at the time with Telford, I found a manager that worked well, really well with me. And he understood me really well and I understood the way he wanted to play. And he just instilled like good values, values that I already had. But he made me bring it out more. And one of his fingers, honesty, loyalty integrity and hard work there's way more to it but those are the ones that I kept and remembered your Shrewsbury debut debut went very well did you remember it yeah I remembered it I remember it quite well because um, one of the boys I'd done my scholar with Tajiri Okunabiri was playing here as well he scored on that day as well so we both came on from the bench and 
he scored and then I scored I think the winning goal I want to say and it was just obviously from going up so many leagues to score in League One like it was a dream come true for me it was the first time I'd score in League One professionally and yeah I was just so excited to see what the future held really yeah Sam Rickett yeah. Racket? I'm Rickett. so sorry, but no matter how hard I try, it looks like cricket. Yeah. <laughs> was manager when you joined the club. Yeah. What sort of manager was he and how did he try to get the best out of you? Um, he, he was another manager that I thought quite well of. Um, he brought me in and he just wanted me to be myself. He always told me that um, my enthusiasm and and the way I worked and the things that I like my attention attention to detail would take me to the top so I always tried to be the best I could be in training and sometimes as a younger player you need your manager to put his arm around you to let you know that don't worry you're doing the right things and keep speaking to you and stuff like that and he did that really well with me okay we're good at we 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 want to play another quick fire game with you if you wouldn't mind it's basically a would you rather nice you ready Beach holiday or city break? Um, beach holiday. I like I like the sun. But maybe not the crabs. No, <laughs> not I can't swim, so I'm going. Especially the jellyfish. You can't swim. I can't swim. Oh no! Everyone batters me for it. Don't worry. <laughs> but mind you, also the jellyfish because they can still go onto shore. So if you step on stay one, stay away from them. Yeah. Action film or comedy film? Action film. I grew up on Jackie Chan, so... Yeah. I'm sorry, who? <laughs> you know, I remember my dad telling me, and he was, like, didn't want, like, um... I don't know, I forgot. But I might tell you later. Okay. Would you rather speak to animals or speak every language in the world? Speak every language in the world, because I'm scared of dogs, I'm scared of cats, I'm scared of nearly every animal. Note to self, don't let you near my house, I have three of them, little yeah, poochies. You've never seen me anywhere near yours then, don't worry. I have a snake and a tarantula too. Even worse. <laughs> Would you rather go back, go back to 200 years and meet your ancestors, or go forward 200 years and meet your family? Good question. Wow. Wow. What would you do? <laughs> um, no idea, honestly. I'd say um, the past is the past. Leave the, them to do what they've done and just go to the future and just see my family from the future and hope they're doing well. Mm-hmm. And, maybe, and get, let them have it if they're not. Exactly. <laughs> would you rather explore space or the bottom of the ocean? Because I can't swim, I wouldn't be going to the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> a submarine! <laughs> bottom of the ocean, so I'd rather go to space. But there's no oxygen either way. <laughs> I know, but in case anything happens. And there's also like a dark void of space, so... Ex- there, ain't, there ain't no end, so you're basically stuck I'd stay there. on Earth, yeah. Stay on Earth. <laughs> Would you rather fight one chicken the size of an elephant or ten elephants the size of chickens? Ten elephants the size of a chicken. <laughs> Are you I can, sure? I can run away from you. Okay. <laughs> Would you rather reach the Premier League with Shrewsbury or play for your country? The silent fans are going to be mad with me here. But I'd love to play for Nigeria. Okay. But I'd love to Shrewsbury in the Premier League as well. What a dream that would be. But yeah, Nigeria. Okay, that was the last fight one of the quick fires. In your first season at Shrewsbury, you had a great FA Cup run. Mm-hmm. Very nearly beating Liverpool at home. What are your memories of those games and playing at An- Anfield? Yeah. The first time. Um well the game at home when we drew two two, I just called that the Jason Cummings day. Uh a teammate of mine came on and he scored two and it was just it was crazy people ran onto the pitch all the fans ran onto the pitch it was yeah and then playing at Anfield for the first time the first time I've ever played at a Premier League um, 
stadium, if I can if I recall right. It was just unreal. I can't remember. I think it was about fifty, forty to fifty thousand people there as well, and it, it was really good, good experience for me, and it helped me for the next time. The following season, you played Liverpool again. Well, Liverpool really had it, has it out for your group, doesn't they? Always got Liverpool. <laughs> In the FA Cup at Anfield again, yeah. you scored the goal that put Shrewsbury in the lead in that game. Mm-hmm. What are your memories of scoring at Anfield? Um, so, obviously, the first time we played there, I was quite nervous. But then the next time we went there, I wasn't as nervous because I'd already experienced it Do before. you think you'll be up against, against Liverpool again at the FA Cup? I'd hope so. It would be another good day out, so fingers crossed. Liverpool or City, but yeah, just a good day out for all the fans and the boys as well. Um, but from that second time, I just remember just being really calm and ready to enjoy enjoy it, because last time I did enjoy it, but obviously I Your came Your brain was the, in a frazzle. Exactly. Nervous, coming on from the bench as well, but this time I got to start the game, and then when you score... I didn't know what to do, so I'd done the Ronaldo celebration because I'm a Man United fan. <laughs> and then I got, a bit of, I got a bit of stick, loads of stick on Twitter. About it. About it. And then surprised none of your, 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 your teammates went at you about it either. No, the teammates were buzzing. The manager gave me a bit of stick. <laughs> and then I was just like, yeah. <laughs> Who didn't? <laughs> oh, man. Sam Ricketts left Shrewsbury that season. How is it for players when a manager loses his job? Does it affect them? 100% it affects... Well, it affects me as a player, and I'm sure it does the other boys, because at the end of the day, we're all together in a team, and you don't really you don't really want someone to lose their job in the first place, but then we're all pushing for a goal and the same aim, and then once we don't get that aim and someone has to lose their job for it, you feel a type of way and you don't feel as good because you could have helped towards that manager keeping their job. Steve Coulterin then came in as manager. How was his management style different to Sam? Um, a lot different because when he first came in, I thought I was never going to play, and I remember getting shouted at loads. Think of the nice uh, teacher um, with Sam Ricketts, and then the really horrible teacher with Steve Cottrell. But then the more I got to know him, I really got to see that he really he really meant well and he just had to be like that to get the best out of me. He used to pull me and say say things to me like he needs to get me angry to get the best out of me. And at first I didn't understand, but then I, towards the end I started to get it just to be the best I could be. That season, you finished as the club's top goal scorer. What was was it about that season that made you play so well? Um, like I said about Steve Cottrell being a horrible <laughs> teacher at first, oh um, he just he really instilled some belief in me, and um, obviously I'm always grateful to him, and he got me really fit, got me believing in myself, and. Um, just told me I need to get in better areas to score goals and I had Aaron Wilbraham, the assistant, Dave Longwell, a lot of these people put a lot of work into me and a lot of trust into me and it just, it worked out perfectly because the fruits came through, yeah. The start of the following season, you tore your ACL ligament, ouch. Very ouch. (laughs) <laughs> what one of those scars are they from the operation look. yeah yeah i i noticed it and I instantly went yeah it's not like, nice ow. i've got like an egg on the side of my knee now oh dear which which is a really nasty injury mm-hmm. which meant you missed the whole season what was that injury like and how did you cope for the first few weeks after the injury well other than painful obviously so at first when i done it at Bristol, I was hoping it was not not my knee and it felt more like my calf and um, went for a scan as you do and then I wasn't told by the physio on the like the day of the scan so I started getting worried that I'd done something big and then got pulled by the physio and the manager got told it was my ACL and um, obviously like you do, you, you know you're going to miss nine months of 
doing what you love. So it brought me to tears again. I cry a lot. <laughs> yeah. It could have been worse, though. You if, could have completely broken your le- wrecked your leg. Perfectly, because that leads me to being outside. It was funny, because I was outside. They gave me some like a few moments of myself, and my mum calls my phone, and she goes, what's wrong? And I told her, because it was my birthday at the time as well when I found out that news. And she said, well, it could be a lot worse. And that dried my tears up straight away. So perfectly, like you said, I could have broke my leg. It could have been something else. There's mm-hmm. always someone else in the worst position. Yeah. Than and you, at so. least the damage wasn't permanent. My dad, dad's ankles and that are wrecked due to things in his past. So luckily I didn't have that. He wasn't a footballer or anything like that. Yeah. He just had... He just was just na- a few accidents, a few there, there. Yeah. There. The fact that he loves gardening, gardening. He doesn't. He, he does. He still do it. Yeah, he, he still nice. does it. He manages to adapt things. He he sometimes drags me and my sisters out to help. Nice. <laughs> I don't. We don't mind sometimes. That's good. If it's raining, however, it's we kind of growl at him like a cat. It counts as family bonding as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Serious injuries can have a big impact on a player's physical and mental health. Yeah. What was it like being out long long term and how did it affect your mental health? So when I f- like knew how long I was going to be out for, I was really nervous about my mental health and obviously you're a professional footballer, you're always exercising and then you can't do anything for so long. But I was really lucky because I had um, my missus, Tasha, who was really good with me. My little boy, who is two years old now, Aww. running around the house and doing things. He didn't really see any difference. So I had all that to almost take away anything that was mm-hmm. making me worry and missing a lot with the boys. And then I had, um, this is, it's, doesn't sound good, but I had George Nurse, who done his knee five weeks apart from me. And we had each other to keep company mm. and really helped mentally and helped physically because we could push each other in the gym and do things like that. But, yeah, and then I've, the main thing as well was my faith. My faith helped me through a lot of the things mm-hmm. to know that eventually I'd get back and playing football and enjoying it again. Do you think your kid, your your little boy, will wind up being a footballer if he's running around already? He's He loves kicking the ball and just... He loves causing mayhem basically so I'm leaving it <laughs> he to sounds that. like a mini Felix my nephew I don't want to I don't want to say if he's going to be a footballer yet or, or, or he's not. already kicking things around so but, I'd yeah. wa- so I'd watch out he's wrecking now already so yeah <laughs> what did a typical day look like for you when you were injured did you spend much time time with the time or did you stay on much, much time with the team much time with the team or did you stay on your own a lot? Um, so at first, it was the first two weeks you were by yourself because you couldn't move, basically. Your legs were that stiff and swollen. You couldn't move, so you were at home, icing. And then after that, you had to come in for rehab. So uh, day-to-day, you'd be in earlier than most of the boys. Then you get to see the boys and be with the boys. That was one of the things the manager mm. made sure... We were still involved with the boys and wanted us to be part of everything and not feel like outcast, me and George. And, um, yeah, and match days as well would be there to support the boys. So, apart from not playing the matches, we were still involved in everything, mm. really. But some some had a little fun with you, though, about it. Yeah, of course. A good a good teammate, good families and good teammates always find a way to tease you about things. Everything, always. Like, you should be, you, should, you could have scored there mm-hmm. if you were playing and stuff like that. But the yeah. boys were really good with us and, mm-hmm. like, can't thank them enough. I've always, I always say thank you to them whenever <laughs> I see them, but yeah. <laughs> We've been in touch with some Shrewsbury fans. Nice. Do you have some questions for you? Nice. The first one comment comes com- comes from Spec Spencer. Spencer Pitt Pritchard. And he say after all a year without out through injuries mm-hmm. did do you Consider yourself fully matched fit. 
Um, I'd say I'm getting closer. I wouldn't say I'm fully up to speed what I'd like. I was speaking to Elliot Bennett, one of my teammates, about this. He's done his knee as well before. And he was just saying, like, it takes, it takes a while to get going. It took him, he reckons, about three months to get fully up to speed. But I reckon I can, I can beat that. <laughs> just to let you know, Al. Um, I reckon I can beat that. And, um, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm fully up to speed, but I'm getting closer. But it's funny how the body works. The brain's <coughs> telling you to do what you're used to doing and the body's still adapting to a lot of things, especially with the bionic knee. Picture Path is an award-winning visual timeline app that's empowering individuals with autism. This free app provides a simple way for users to plan out activities, such as going to a match or theatre, using structured timelines that reduce stress and anxiety. Users create a visual timeline that caters to their specific daily needs allowing them to prepare for activities, events and routines. PicturePath provides a structure that enhances communication, promotes independence, improves memory recall and supports users to manage their day with confidence. Whether for personal use or in educational settings, PicturePath is the ultimate tool for individuals with additional needs, empowering them to manage their schedules, track progress and enjoy more activities. PicturePath, download the app today. Jamie Norbury? Norbury? Who were your sporting heroes growing up? We see you do Ronalds? Ronaldo. Ronaldo celebration a lot. Is he your big is he a big inspiration to you? Um I love Ronaldo because he just he's that good of a footballer, he's that good of a man, the things that he does and that celebration so iconic. Everyone loves it. And I always get asked by the younger Shrewsbury fans, can you do the Sue today if you score? So, like, I thought, what a good time to do it, the times I have done it. Um, but growing up, um, I don't know if you guys will know these players, but Ronaldo, the Brazilian one, R9, was... Everyone looked up to him, so I remember having his Brazilian kit when I was younger. Uh, to try and replicate his game was almost impossible. <laughs> um, and then another one I looked up to in the Premier League was Didier Drogba. And that's why I wear the number 11. That's why I like the number 11, I should say. The next and final question from the fans is from Gary Ray. Who asks, Shrewsbury have scored one goal in the last seven games. Why do you think Shrewsbury are struggling in, in front of goal? And how can, can the players and manager change that this? I think we've been like unlucky with some of the like chances that we've had and it's obviously as a striker I want to be like that question alarms me straight away but I, I think I we hope, can do I hope it's not too much of a question to ask no it's not it never is because that's what we get paid to to do to score goals and like obviously me the other strikers and the other boys in the team from set plays and everything else we always think like we need to go out to win and score goals. So, obviously, we haven't scored mm. in the last five games, I think it is, and we, we try to rectify mm. that as mm. quick as possible. No one goes out there not to score goals, so mm. we're trying to yeah. do our best to score goals. I'm just glad that the question was okay with. I've been a bit... After this one time, I asked a question which turned out was legally unable to be answered. Looks at Adam. What question was that? Big Sam, we asked a question which he told us where he was legally unable right, to answer. He didn't let you know. No, don't worry, it's not as technical as that. Don't worry. Hopefully by the next game we've got ourselves a goal so then we can have the answer done. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Tyler came, came in as manager this season. Mm -hmm. How is he different to the previous managers? Um, he's different to the previous manager in these like way of delivery to the boys and um, his style of coaching as well and I think the boys have took on well with him really and all the coaching stuff like Marcus Bignett, Sean Parrish, even the physios have changed, there's been a lot of change so it's still all new to the boys at the same time but he's been really good with all of us. How does Matt try to get the best out of you as a player? Um, the best thing I've heard him say, I've heard it before, 
of recent is control the controllables and he said that to the whole group and it just sometimes you know when you've been told something by your parents but then someone else tells you it again and you just remember that like you can only control what you can control and forget everything else that's around it and do the best he's a really good motivator I'll give him that he's a really good motivator Matt has played football at the highest level. Does playing for someone who has played in the Premier League help you? 100% because he's played at the Holy Grail, I call it. <laughs> and if he's done that, he knows it. It's bread and butter to him, really. And like he knows what it takes to be a professional. And it wasn't a professional for two years at the top. It was for a long time. He had almost his whole career at the top of... Um, of football so he obviously knows a good player when he sees one and he knows his football so definitely What are your expectations for Shrewsbury this season? Um, my expectations for Shrewsbury this season is to do better than we did last year so obviously I've been here now the last five years and every year has been a progression and um, last year we finished 12th if we can do better than that this year it's progression and then helps it helps the team, it helps the fans want to come and watch more, it helps the community, it gets the um, football club out in the community and draws the community together and it helps attracting better players. That's how I see it as a player, personally, if I'm being honest, because then it attracts other players because other players see Shrewsbury have done well last year. I'd go join them because they've done well and see if I can push them on. Where do you see yourself in three years' time? In three years' time, um, where do I see myself? Hopefully, I'd love to... Well, I'd love to. I'd like to see myself in the championship, playing championship football, whether it be with Shrewsbury or whether somewhere else. I'd love it to be with Shrewsbury because I've been there for so long and it's been the place that has took me in the most and I've learnt the most about my football and... Um, been got a family now, like I'm a local Shropshire lad now, really. So I'd love to be one of the guys that takes Shrewsbury up, and yeah, just be playing Championship football, or if not, just being as high as I possibly can because well, that's all I've ever tried. Well, to we're do. rooting for you. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Every week on the podcast, we like our guests to ask questions to each other. So we get a guest to ask a question but they have no idea who the question is going to be for. Mm -hmm. This week's question comes from our previous guest, who is Wrexham manager Phil Parkinson. And he asked, what is the one thing in your career, what is the one thing in your career you would like to be remembered for? Um, wow. What a good question. I'd like to be remembered for just knowing that I always say this, I've spoke to my old man about this loads, um, knowing that I left no stones unturned, making sure I've done every little bit that I could to give myself to football and my career so then when I'm finished I don't have any regrets because that's the last thing I want to have a regret that I could have done, I could have lived better or I could have trained better or trained harder or mm-hmm. had et better or treated people better in football. So I don't want to leave any stones unturned. I'm yeah. going to just be my best every day. Because yeah. the worst thing that could ever happen is looking back on your life and thinking if only. Exactly. And no one likes if only, do Oh, they? great. I'm getting emotional. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> could you do the same, please? Can you think of a, of a question to, to ask our next guest? But we aren't going to tell you who the guest is. The question can be anything you want. It doesn't even have to be do have anything to do with sport. Um, what are your three fundamentals in life? Oh, this is going to send our next our next person into a tailspin. I like it. It sounds like something for a manager. But what are your three fundamentals in life? Like, you're not going to change change it. You expect some people not never going to change it. Mm-hmm. I'd like to say a big thank you again to to everyone who listens to our podcast. We really appreciate it. Please continue to leave reviews and pass our podcast on to your friends and family. Thank you so much for 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 taking the time to chat with us, Daniel. 
We really enjoyed speaking with you. And it means so much to us as, as a school to have the opportunity to speak with you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay. It's been a pleasure. So, Alyssa and Jacob, we've had some questions from listeners who have got in touch with the podcast. Mm-hmm. And if you want to get in touch with the podcast, just visit our website, which is www.twsportspodcast.co.uk. On our website, you can send in voice notes to us. You can send in emails and messages, and we will try our best to read them out on the show. So over the summer holidays, Jacob and Alyssa, we've had lots of questions, lots of stories from our listeners. So I'm going to say them now and, and ask them to you. So the first question comes from Ben Turner, who's from New York, and he says... I love the TWS Sports podcast and I've been listening since the very start. My favourite guest was WWE legend Mick Foley. <laughs> but I want to know, or he wants to know, have you been nervous about interviewing any of your guests? And if so, which guest has made you the most nervous? Well, for me, it was actually your favourite Mick Foley, Lee. He's my mum's favourite too. She was actually in the room with me the entire time. So I think you can imagine. <laughs> and Jacob, is there a certain guest that you've been quite nervous to speak to or a place that you've been for the podcast has made you quite nervous? Not really. The main part is to just do the talking, find the information and just get it done. <laughs> <laughs> like not saying that's a rude thing, but they also got jobs as well and practice. That's how they're going to keep the game moving. Brilliant. So, Alyssa, yours was Mick Foley, and Jacob just cracks on with it. Brilliant. (laughs) Okay, our next question comes from Gareth Payne from Newcastle, who says, Hey guys at the TWS Sports Podcast, I wanted to share this story with you. I once bumped into Michael Owen. So, Michael Owen is a former footballer, Mm -hmm. uh, played for England, played for Liverpool, played for Newcastle. That's probably when he met him. I bumped into Michael Owen when I was shopping in Tesco's. And his question is, have you ever seen anyone famous in public... And if not, who would you like to bump into in the street and what would you ask them? Ever seen, ever seen anyone, anyone famous, Alyssa, in, just in the street? No, afraid not. I don't actually, I, I don't actually Lee, get out that much except for this pod, these podcasts, which I adore, and the occasional outings. I'm more of an indoor cat. Okay, but if you were out, Alyssa, walking around Tesco's, who... In the whole world, would you most like to bump into, and what would you ask them? Um, what about anyone from history? Because I know you like history. Oh yeah, history. A, per- a person I'd like to bump into would be the Egyptian queen Cleopatra. You know, the, you know the one who mysteriously disappeared all of a sudden. I'd ask her what happened. Yeah, well, you never know. Oh, I've actually heard of a history about her as well. Hmm? And I'm a bit going into the Egyptian and mind you, my brother's got a Moon Knight figure. Like a Lego one. Marvel? Yeah. Full on. Marvel? What does Marvel have to do with actual ancient history? No, I'm just telling you, my brother is that much of an Egyptian kind of person, like history and that. He has to get something that's close to it. And I'm just like... Fair enough. So, uh, Jacob, anyone? have you ever met anyone in public that's famous or if not who would you most like to meet in public i never met anyone if i could tell i'd never have so who would you most like to meet does it have to be like someone or someone famous from a different country or no something? just anyone that's famous from anywhere <laughs> i got two on my mind Go on then. uh god okay so an actor is got to be john berthal which he played as the Punisher in the series. And another person is got to be... Uh, what else is it? Obviously, it's for me and my brother, so it's got to be Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds, yeah. He'd be, a, he'd be a good one. Okay, last question. Our last question comes from Nick Ramsey, who says, I've recently been diagnosed autistic. Do you remember when you were diagnosed autistic and how did you feel about it? We'd love to hear your story as I'm sure it would help me. So do you guys remember when you were diagnosed? I sort of remembered. My I never got diagnosed since the day I was born. So my mom had to try and make sure I get diagnosed. And when she found out that I was diagnosed with autism, she was like upset and that. 
because with kids that autism, they sometimes they go from, you know, what's it like in that. But for me, I'm just not that kind. Like, I only go what's it when there's, like, too much noise in that. Okay, thank you, Jacob. Alyssa, do you remember when you were diagnosed? Funny story about that. I wasn't actually... I don't think I've ever actually been officially diagnosed, but my mum and dad, they told me that they knew something wasn't quite right. normal with me from the fact that, you know how most babies like being picked up when they're, baby, when they're kids and yep. all that? I despised it. <laughs> I hated it. So you didn't you don't like people touching you getting close and hugging no you. when I was when I was a baby at least I got over that when I as I got older yeah getting get, cleaning me was a nightmare for them <laughs> brilliant that's in, really interesting listen Jacob thank you and thank you so much for sending in your questions if you have any questions as I said please contact us on our website or our social media www.twssportspodcast.co.uk and we will try our best to ask the questions to a guest so if you have a question for a guest or a question for Alyssa or Jacob or or myself, or anyone, and please ask or share a story with us. We'll love to hear from you. So thank you very much. Bye. The TWS Sports Podcast combines autism and sport. This unique podcast is hosted by children with autism, and each week they interview famous sportsmen and women from around the world. The TWS Sports Podcast takes you deep into the sports star's career, their highs and lows, what happens away from the field of play, and so much more. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. The TWS Sports Podcast, where autism and sports combine.